Sunday of the Dialogue Gospel Study. Um, today it's May 27th, 2023, and our instructor today is Kwani Winner. I'm Esther Kandari, and on behalf of Dialogue Board, we just want to say how happy we are to gather with all of you, and thank you for joining us today. Uh, whether you're a longtime listener or you've just found Dialogue Gospel Study, we invite you to check out all that Dialogue has to offer on our website, dialoguejournal.com. You can find our previous gospel studies there, as well as some other wonderful offerings like Dialogue Out Loud, uh, the Dialogue Book Report, as well as links to all the great shows in the Dialogue Podcast Network, such as Beyond the Shadow of a Doubt and This Global Latter Day Life. Uh, for those of you who are joining us live on Zoom today, as always, you're invited to post respectful and relevant comments uh, in the chat, and we'll monitor that and try to, to bring them up as they're relevant without, throughout the lesson. Um, just to uh, introduce today's teacher, Kwani is an artist located in Ogden, Utah. Her oil paintings are characterized by vibrant colors and a loose impressionistic brushstrokes. Her subject matter primarily includes landscapes and figures. Kwani is an avid planner artist and eagerly takes every chance to paint from life. Kwani's work also he is heavily influenced by being a Santa Clara Pueblo Indian. Through her painting, she seeks to preserve, share, and educate about her unique heritage. Um, I also have the great pleasure of being one of Kwani's friends, and I just want to say I I love her perspective. She always brings in a very nuanced and rich uh, view of the world, of the gospel, of other people, and is deeply dedicated to to building community and to educating people and to really expanding the borders of Zion through her work. So just a real privilege to learn from her today. We're going to start off with an opening prayer from Mike Austin, a member of the Dialogue Board, and then we'll go to an opening hymn, I Stand All Amazed by the Tonga Sisters, after which we'll turn the time over to Kwani. Our dear God, we thank you so very much for the technology that allows us to experience this lesson today, and thank you for the community that gives us the support and the, both the spiritual and the intellectual pleasures of listening to Kwani and, and the lesson that she has prepared. We are so grateful for the gospel, we're grateful for the world that we live in, we're grateful for the life that we have and the experiences that we enjoy and the many privileges that we take part in. Please today be with our teacher and please be with all of the listeners and all of those who are tuning in, the various channels that we have. Let your spirit be with us. Let's, let us seek to understand, to expand our knowledge and also our empathy. And we say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you, Mike. Um, one just fun uh, trivia fact before we dive into the lesson with Kwani. So the the girls that did that opening hymn are the cousins of Yim Pongi, who just won American Idol. So fun Mormon trivia. Kwani, take it away for us. Hey, um, I am nervous to be here today. <laughs> uh, technology is not my strong point. But I hope that as we dive into these parables that I have been studying, that thank you for the prayer that things will come together. 
it is interesting because I initially was going to teach a different week and I kind of looked at the material for that and then moved to this week. And these parables have actually been a very guiding force in my life of how um, I approach things, how I perceive the world and how I interact with the world. And so I'm really excited to share these with you because they are, um, they've made me into the person and the artist that I am today. And so, um, two questions I want you to keep in mind today as we are going through, and I just want you to ponder them in your heart, um, is I was always uncomfortable with this question growing up but I'm still going to ask it of you because I want you to think of it in a different way. Um, we're always encouraged to focus on missionary work. And growing up, in my mind, that was always like, okay, missionaries serve a mission. They preach the gospel 24-7. Like, um, it means inviting someone to church, getting baptized. And that was like my very young perception of missionary work as I have grown <laughs> and grown in my knowledge and grown in it's very more much more subtle than that and as I've become an artist and started to paint religious and depict religious kind of spiritual paintings um that has changed as well because I have had missionary opportunities that, you know, you wouldn't say led to somebody's conversion or things, but it's been opportunities to share my light that I found the happiness in the light of Christ. And so one of the questions I want to ask you to think about is how can I share the gospel? How can I, and this is the second one, it's kind of the same thing, but maybe a little bit different. How can I share the light of Christ? Those are the two things that I want you to think about as we go through these parables. Um, the first one I want to talk about is the parable of the talents. And this is probably the parable that has made the most impact on my life. <laughs> so it's very special to me. Um, let's go ahead and let's watch the video of the parable of the talents is just um a recording instead of me reading the scripture i have a video of the scripture being shared <laughs> so let's go ahead and pull that up for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods and unto one he gave five talents to another two and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two talents, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with him. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, 
Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not straw. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. His Lord answered, and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gathered where I have not strawed. Thou artest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it to him which hath ten talents, for unto every one that hath he shall be and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that he hath, and cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I have felt, I, in my life, <clears throat> I have been blessed with a lot of interests and a lot of talents. Um, growing up, I was blessed with a mother who loved art, and she fostered that in me from a very young age. And even though I had never planned to be an artist, like ever, <laughs> I... Um, to the point that I was like, art's not a career. And that was like my mantra all throughout high school <laughs> and even into college. Um, but I was given art. And then once I embraced that talent, like I, I took classes, I did AP art in high school. But once I embraced that talent and switched my major to art, it was like my brain just like opened up to so much more than just the drawing and the painting that I was doing. All of a sudden I found I had a very avid in interest in bookmaking. I was really good at it too. Um, loved sculpture. Matter of fact, I might be a sculpture artist today if I had started off my art career doing a sculpture class instead of doing a painting class because <laughs> I love it that much. And I love the form and I love the figure. And I love photography and all of these talents kind of like branched out from this initial talent of just drawing and coloring and painting. And my life has been very blessed. I've been blessed to teach classes on fun things, introduce them to other types of art, introduce other people to other types of art. And I feel like this 
particular talent I was given. And then once I decided like and owned it, I was able to expand it out and it, it to the point that not even like physically being an artist, but also my brain thinks in art ways. And especially when I'm reading the scriptures or when I'm listening to general conference or things like that, my brain goes into like, how does this apply in an art way? <laughs> and it's, I'm always relating it to color, to light. And so I've been able to take truths that are taught to me and relate them the spirit helps me translate in them into a way that I understand. And that's through my talents, I guess, is I don't for a better lack of a better way to say that. Um, I'm going to put Esther on the spot. I don't know. Have you seen that in your life as you've developed your art, artist talent? You're you've definitely had more schooling in it than I. I, I did eventually embrace my artist side, switched my major, became a bachelor of fine arts. And um, anyways, I want to hear Aster's. <laughs> That's a question. I'm not sure I totally caught Oh, okay. Yeah. I saw the first little bit of it, of something about art makes it easy to sh or easier to share, but I didn't see that. Okay. Okay, there. <laughs> um, yeah, I probably zoned out for half a second. ADD brain. Um, I, I found that so true. It's actually a big part of the reason that I went into art in the first place. Um, I've always been fascinated with the concept of communicating with people. So I, I grew up in a mixed race family. My dad's an immigrant. Most of my family on my dad's side, uh, English is their second language. A fair amount of them speak English, but you know it's fairly clearly their second language and some of them don't speak English at all. And so I, I had many relatives growing up that I couldn't communicate with. And I grew up in a place where there's a lot of people that, you know, also spoke English as a second language and um but art and music and those types of forums there were always spaces where people could come together uh and it's our, our world needs more spaces where people can come together there's an increasing focus on divides rather than building bridges and community um and I think that's really at the core of the gospel is building community um and building an understanding of each other and there's in my mind no better way to do that than art um, and some people might fight me on that, but I will stand firm on that hill. <laughs> Let's, <clears throat> can we talk about our comment or did you see the rest of it? I didn't see the rest of it. And I don't know how to look at it. Um, yeah. So the comment is just the Bible and Book of Mormon videos make missionary work so much easier. <laughs> it is incredibly nicer. I mean, I could have read the scripture, but I hate it. <laughs> Not hate it. Hate's too strong of a word. I have a very hard time focusing when scriptures are read to me. I have to like, I have to be the one reading them. And even then, like about if it's more than a few verses, my brain zones out. I'm just like, what did I just read? <laughs> Anyways. Um, so I love that talent because, and I don't think I put that together until I was studying this lesson. Here I am, 33 years old, didn't realize like, oh my word, my talent of art like was given to me, but here I've been able to take it and, and grow it in other ways and grow it outward. And not only that, as I've grown it outward, adding in photography and 
sculpture has only made my initial talent better of drawing figures and understanding light better through a photography lens. It's allowed me to take better reference photos. And, and so, like I said, that is a very real world applicable moment that I've taken this parable and kind of, you know, made it my own and, and, and applied it in my own life. Something I thought was incredibly interesting that I also didn't pick up on until I was studying this parable this time around. Like the other two parables that we're talk we'll talk today are about the sheep and the goats and then the 10 virgins. And clearly in those other two parables, there is this side that was good, this side that is bad or, you know, less desirable. But in this one, there's three. <laughs> There's the one that got one talent, one that got two, and one that got five. And I, I really kind of was wondering, like, why, why did he include the example of the two? Because the same thing could have been illustrated with just the one and the five. The five took his five, made five more. The one buried his one. Um, he missed out on an opportunity. But then there's this two. And so I looked at what the Lord said about the two. So the response to number five is in verse 21 of Matthew 25. And he said, his Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And then his response to the person who got two talents. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He said the exact same thing. The only difference between those two verses is in the first verse, he said, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Versus when he was talking to the number two, he said, Well, get, well done, good and faithful servant. And so I think this is a very important and key part of this parable because not everybody is given stewardship over many things um and it's not because they can't handle them and it's not because they're any better the person with five is any better than the person with two both of the people who took what they were given and made it more they were blessed with the exact same thing. They were told the exact same thing. And I think that's huge because comparison is a lot of people's downfalls. Um, pride is a lot of people's downfalls. And there's this constant natural man that wants to put people down. And the one thing that I've really learned over the years is that you succeeding or me succeeding does not make you any less, does not make anybody else any less. Matter of fact, if I succeed and you succeed, we are more than if we just did it on our own. And so I really encourage you to take a moment and think about the talents 
I'm blessed because a lot of my talents are very visible and maybe cursed a little bit too, <laughs> because it makes it a little bit easier to identify those things. Um, but I have friends in my circle that their talents aren't visual, that their talents are more subtle than that. And at times they have struggled with identifying those things that are so apparent to me being an outsider looking into their lives. Um, I have a friend that is very, very kind and very, very open with her love. And that can be shown visually, but it's more so shown in how she talks to people and how the people feel around her. And that's less, less accessibly seen or even seen by her because it's this ripple effect. She can see the first wave of the people she touches, but she doesn't see how that extends beyond the people that she immediately reacts with. And so think about the blessings, not only the talents, but the blessings that you have been given. Maybe it's the family you grew up in because not everybody's family circumstances are the same. Maybe it's the area that you grew up in. Maybe it's the job that you have and the hours that you're able to work. Or maybe it's the heritage that you have. There's many blessings that we are given from the Lord that we can take and that we can amplify and we can make more. And I want to talk a little about my own journey again with this story. I was very adamant that art was not a thing. <laughs> people did. Other people did that. And they trained their whole lives to do that. And so you don't just like enter the art world because you want to. Um, I was attending, even after I decided that I was going to be a, an artist, I attended a conference. And I can't even remember who the speaker was. But what I do remember, and it changed my life <laughs> for a good way, my artist life. I had embraced being an artist and I was like, yay, I'm doing the art thing. This is me. I fully committed to it. And then they talked about, well, what are you doing with your talents for the Lord? How are you consecrating your abilities, your talents, your time? And I realized, ooh, I hadn't even thought about that. And I wasn't doing at anything. <laughs> like, there was my art and there is my gospel, and those two did not intertwine and they didn't mix. And they, like, I didn't even think about the fact that they could, which is crazy because the art and the gospel go so well together. <laughs> but it was at that point that I started painting and exploring. I was primarily a landscape artist. And it was at that point that I started painting figurative works that were combining my culture, which was a blessing, my beliefs, my gospel, and my artwork in together, tying those three to become the works that I'm actually probably most famous for now. That was the beginning point of when, and if I hadn't attended that 
conference and I hadn't been there to learn and I hadn't been open to counsel <laughs> to how should I develop these talents of mine even more, I would have missed out on that. I would have missed out on this whole opportunity that I've had to share the gospel through my art, to share the light of Christ with people who can't put their finger on why they liked my paintings and why my paintings are different. But I know because of the spirit that they were created with makes a difference in how people interact with my artwork. There was a comment. <laughs> what was the... Oh, you're muted. <laughs> you would think after three years I would figure this out. Um, the comment is from Joanne. If you're a pretty good Relief Society teacher, sooner or later the bishop will ask you to be the Relief Society president. I'm sorry, that isn't a reward. As someone who was called from being a Relief Society teacher to being in the presidency, I, yes, I feel that deeply. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, why is having authority to make decisions for other people, like being kings and queens and other royal titles, assumed to be the thing that we want? Um, I'd like to respond to this really briefly before I hand it back to you, Kalani. Um, Something I think about, this is something I've thought a lot about and how I think sometimes this parable is interpreted as like immediately being like authority and like leadership and power within a community. And I think it can mean that. But for me personally, as I've pondered this, I think it it's also much more of a personal thing that the things that are multiplied for us don't necessarily mean that they're multiplied in a leadership sense, that they might be multiplied in, you know, expanding our ability, to, you know, if our, if our gift is to love, or expanding our ability to love, if our gift is to be able to perceive the needs of others, that we have expansion to that. Or like, you know, there's many examples I can give from my own life and the talents that I've been blessed with. Well, I don't like the term talent because I feel like all of it comes from work one way or the other. Um, but I think in the church, it often is interpreted that way. And so how do we take a step back and see how we've inserted the the titles of the world into the kingdom of god if that makes sense so that's my personal take Juan, what's yours <laughs> quite honestly i've never thought of it um as leading to leadership or you know um it's been very personal to me as I've interacted with these things. It's it's been how do how can I become a better person? How can I make the people that I'm around or the people I interact with, how can I lift them? And so it's not necessarily how can I control them, not control them, control is the wrong word, but how it's more so like me. How can I become a better person? How can I grow? And in that sense, how can I help other people around me grow? Because I think that's part of why these parables are given to us is how to think of, reflect on ourselves and what are we doing and what are our choices and how our choices affect other people um, for good or for bad. And are we lifting people up? Are we building people or are we taking away from them? It's how I've always looked at it, I guess. It's just a very individual, like me, like how, how is this, how is my choices affecting me and me becoming a better person? Not necessarily um, becoming 
a king or a ruler or you know because like I, again that you talking about like once the second coming comes and you know i guess to me it's always been personal i've never thought of like oh i'll have a lot of people on me or I, it's just been like oh i'll have my family with me and how can i best help my family and i don't know what our family is going to look like at that point but for me I, it's been a smaller focus <laughs> i guess I've never thought of it that way. So maybe I need to take some time and think more of how that one. Um, I would like to go on to the parable of the, goat, of the sheep and goats. Um, this is how much I pay attention. I did not realize that this parable started. Oh, yeah. Mind if I make one more comment on this parable before we move on? Yeah. Um, so this, like you, I think this is one that I spent a lot of time thinking about because talent is a word that gets thrown at me a lot and thrown around in the, you know, professional spaces that I, I work in. And to, to the servant who, who buries their talent, something I've thought about in, in the capacity I've been able to serve in as a teacher and as a mentor in my community is how often, well, I, I think it's interesting that he approaches the Lord with fear. And he's like, you know, I kind of like, I'm in awe, I'm in fear of like what you do. So I just was, you know, very careful with what I have. And I didn't expand upon that. And I think a way I could draw some parallels and see that reflected in the, in the work that I've done is how often I have conversations, especially with, with women artists, especially with artists of color, in that they are afraid to really expand themselves. Um, and often within Latter-day Saint culture, there's this sense of almost a false humility in that, in that I, you know, I can't, I, you know, I can't price my stuff well. I can't, you know, expect to be paid for my work. I can't, you know, submit to these big shows because I would be prideful if I do that. Um, and so I think we often confuse the, you know, the very genuine um, command to be humble and to avoid pride with a confidence in our divine nature in our divine gifts in our opportunities and the things that we can do with those things and the ways that we can exponentially expand them as we approach them with the right perspective um, and so that's that's something i've thought a lot about when i've studied this i guess um that made me think of like the phrase like the knowledge knowledge is power and you don't know what you don't know and when you do taken ownership over those things instead of being passively affected by those things now you can take control and you can control what those things are used for how they go forward um i didn't focus a lot on the one because that hit his talents i did thought it think it was weird i didn't know the word usury <laughs> that it was like i was like what in the world is that? Because I get the gist of what he's talking about. And he was upset. Like, why did you take this? Why did you bury it? Why didn't you make it more? I should charge you tax on this because you didn't do anything with it. Um, but I think the one maybe didn't recognize what he had. And because he didn't understand it and he didn't learn about it, the unknown can be so scary. And then the pressure of having to do something with something you're not comfortable with can cause us to shrink. And I think in that moment, he chose to shrink. And I've done that before. 
I've been there. I've been the person who said and looked back and been like, I could have done so much more. I could have been, I could have done more with that opportunity. I wasted that opportunity. And I think hopefully instead of just feeling ashamed that that person took that moment, you know, expanding on the parable, I guess, of, of took that and used it as growing moment. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, I, I learned. I should do more with what I'm given, you know, in the future. And I, I think his motivations, like you said, Esther, were out of fear. And I think the other ones maybe necessarily weren't fearful. They just, um, they pushed forward. Like, I wonder if the five, the person who got five and made five more, if he was fearful and maybe he was uncertain, but I don't think he would have been as as successful if he had had the same attitude. Mm -hmm. I had a friend in college who had an insane amount of skills, like spoke multiple languages, had all these really crazy cool hobbies, was very successful in his career. And and I was like, how do you do all these things? He's like, I'm never afraid to embarrass myself when I'm learning. And it's a phrase that I come back to a lot, that when I'm trying something new, I'm like, okay, like, why should I be embarrassed? Like, well, how, why is this holding me back from enjoying something new in my life, learning a new way to serve that like it's embarrassment is such like a, it's a, so, so said a fault, a false uh, pretense in our minds that holds us back from so much. It's true. I, sim- something similar, I'm always, my mantra is you can learn something from anybody. I, as an artist, can learn something from someone else who's just starting their art career, even though I have a lot more experience in this area. And I think that translates very well into the gospel of, you know, someone who's new to exploring their faith, that they have beautiful, beautiful things and probably more pure things to offer than someone who's well-versed and well-studied and sometimes can get tripped up on words and things. And But I always, I see that in art a lot. There's a lot of hoity-toities that are <laughs> really proud of themselves and a little too, like, you need to be taken down a notch. But <laughs> we want to name on opportunities to learn because they say, I already know that. Like, yeah. I've already been there. I've already done that. And I try to be very humble and always humble to learn that and recognize that everybody has someone else, something to teach somebody else. And everybody has a gift or a talent that I don't have. And that I can, if I'm humble enough to say, I can learn from you, then my heart is open and I've gotten some beautiful things that have come from that, that I've seen other people miss out on because they were not ready to hear it and they weren't ready to grow. Um, man, I was worried about filling time and now I'm like, oh no, (laughs) the time, the parable of the sheep and the goats. Um, again, this is how I go through life. I read things and I miss things. And I didn't realize this parable was about sheep and goats. (laughs) I just thought it was people on the right hand and people on the left hand. 
And the, I wanted to read, let me find the verse here in just a second. So this parable starts off with a gathering and then a separation. And so I don't know if that's judgment or if it was just, if the judgment comes later. But what I want to focus on is that the point where he talks about The things that you do, you do for me. I have a friend who is, um, doesn't believe in Christ. I don't know if she calls herself an atheist per se, but, um, she brought a very, brought out a very good point that may be uncomfortable. And so it was kind of neat to have that opportunity to look through of like, why am I motivated to do things? And she's like, I do good things because they're good <laughs> and I don't need someone telling me out of fear that like this thing bad, this bad thing is going to happen to you if you don't do this good thing. And she's like, so I don't need Christ in my life because I'm a good person and I do good things. And I celebrated her for that. Cause I'm like, yay, thank you for doing good things she's an amazing person i'm so lucky to have her in my life and especially this moment that she taught me because i'd never thought of the context of there are very many good people in and outside of the gospel and partly in or you know you don't have to be in the gospel to be a good person you don't have to be to share the light of christ you don't there's many many things that are beautiful about the people on the earth and so this this parable makes me a little uncomfortable but what i do like about it is when you're helping people and you're feeding and clothing them like i take it again i take this as a moment of self-reflection of like why why did i help people was it to be seen or was it to be a good person why did and am i helping people am i giving of my substance to other people? Am I being accepting of them, of where they're at? Am I being an open person, a safe place for people who think differently in my life than me? And am I okay with being uncomfortable and learning from them? Am I okay? Like it's so much more than just feeding and clothing people, which is very important because there are many people in our lives who need physical help who cannot be more because they are focused on just living. And if we can help people get rid of those worries and become an unstable point, those people now have better opportunity to become more than just focusing on the essentials of life, of living. <clears throat> and I like the question that they come back with of like, back to the Lord of like, when, I, when did I do this to you? When did I, when did I feed you? When did I clothe you? When saw you naked? Like, and they come to the Lord with that. And he said, it was me, you were doing it to me. And I feel like 
there's the ultimate commandment of love thy neighbor as thyself. And I think that this can be taken as well as like, when you do this to somebody else, I hope that they, when I'm in need, someone will do that to me. Um, but even if they don't, I still want to focus on the other, on helping, on reaching, on lifting the people around me because it's a good thing to do. Not because I'm scared that I'm going to be on the left-hand side of God and be a goat. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's severe what he says. It's like the fires of cursed into everlasting fire and prepared for the devil and his angels. Very strong language for those that don't do these things. But I also feel like maybe the curse is, for me, the joy is being with people and enjoying people in the diversity and maybe being taken away from that and being isolated. You know, that would be hell to me of not being able to connect with people and not being able to. So by serving other people, you're connecting and lifting them up. Um, any comments on this before I move on? <laughs> um, I often see this scripture thrown around in a, I'm a sheep and you're a goat context. I think it's really easy for us to be like, oh, I'm definitely one of those and not them. Uh, but the person making the decision here is Christ. So who are we to decide, right? Um, and then, you know, it immediately follows with, you know, the people that are considered Christ's people. It's this whole list of like, you're completely selfless and you're, you're caring for the poor. You're looking out for the, the most downtrodden and, and persecuted in your communities. Um, and so it's just, oh, it's just a reminder to me of like, why am I wasting my time wondering if I'm a sheep or a goat? Like, this list should keep me busy till the end of my life. And like, then Christ will deal with it. <laughs> That, that my worry is is asking myself if I'm really living this list of of serving my fellow man. Yeah, it's um, and I think I would encourage you to think of the more subtleties. We tend to parables are told in the extreme to help illustrate the the point of it. But I want to encourage you to find the middle ground or the you know pull it back from like you were starving and I gave you food and it saved your life. Like who are the people in our lives that need a friend? Who are the people in our lives that need a kind word? Who that need more subtle attention and focus on those things? Because at least for me, when I need those subtle things and they happen and they're given to me, even if it's just a smile on a really bad day, like that's huge, huge in my life. And it was a small thing for that person to give me, but it made a huge impact. And again, it goes back to that ripple effect of like, how are you touching people and how are you helping the people around you for good? How are you lifting them up? Or are you putting them down? How are you building people in the kingdom? How are you building your fellow men or are you taking them down? And that's, that's what I get out of this, I guess. It's just the the reminder to do the subtle things. And then I would encourage you to take a moment and reflect and maybe make a plan of action. Think of the one person in your life that may be struggling. Think of 
and it may be your spouse, your partner, your your child. Think of one thing, just one thing that maybe you can do differently with that interaction with them to help build them. Because there are many times that I choose not to build people. And and it's important to recognize those things too. Because if you don't know that you're, like if you don't take the time to reflect on how your interactions are influencing people or how your interactions are, in, are building you, then you're missing out on learning opportunities. But really, I, that would be my one thing that this week that you take a moment to reflect on someone in your life who's maybe quiet and is quietly suffering and maybe try and see that and help them or be a safe spot or be a safe word, safe place with words for someone, words of comfort or just a listening ear because those are also very good things and very good things that help people. So I had a video on the 10 virgins. I don't know if we need to watch it. Um, in the same breath that I love the parable of the talents, the parable of the virgins doesn't relate as much to me. I, I've had to struggle through trying to like find the connections in my life and maybe because um, I need to spend more time with it. <laughs> so, but the biggest thing and the biggest takeaway for me has always been testimony that my testimony can't be built. It has to be internal. And I think maybe that's the takeaway for me from all of these parables is that it's a very internal reflection of where am I at and an evaluation of what do I have? Do I have a reserve? Do I have, have I built things around me to help support me? in what I'm doing, am I doing the things that I know I should do, like prayer, scripture reading? I'll be honest, I struggle with reading scriptures. I have a very hard time with that. Um, conference talks are my jam, and I think it's because they're more conversational. <laughs> it's easier for me to relate to, and there's stories, and there's things, but, um, so that's one thing as I was reading that parable that I was like, it's something I know I need to do and it's something I need to do better at doing. And, but that's not a struggle for other people. And so maybe, you know, think about in your life of the things that we've been counseled to do to build ourselves and build our relationship with God because, um, Jesus Christ. And it just, like I said, this, this parable was very interesting to me to look at again, because it, it's been a minute since I um, have looked at this one. But any other thoughts? <laughs> I actually want to jump back to the previous one. Um, so something that jumped out to me as I was reading through these verses again is that he specifically says that you gave me meat when I was hungered. Um, and there's other places in the New Testament. And I, I want to go back and look at the Greek and see how it was translated because there's always some plenty of layers to that. But there's often, you know, comparisons of like milk versus meat and like this concept of nourishing and like the different levels of nourishment. Um, and, it, you know, to your comment of like, are we actually really caring for the people in our lives? Like how often do we see needs and we offer them a granola bar, <laughs> not a full course meal, right? 
Um, like what is, what is the meat we're offering to those that are hungry and what are they hungry for and how can we feel that? I think about grieving. Grieving is a really hard thing to help people when they're in that moment because you don't know what to say and you don't know what to do. And I had a lot of granola bars handed to me. <laughs> When my dad passed away and I was in a very, very dark place, I had a lot of granola bars handed to me when I had postpartum depression for two years after I had my first daughter. And I didn't realize I was in it, that it was that bad until I came out of it and realized, whoa, that was a really deep hole that I was in. But I guess the things that helped me were the people that tried earnestly tried. I could tell a difference. Two people might say the exact same thing and it's the wrong thing to say in that moment. But I could tell the person who was genuine and was making an effort to reach out to me and to be there for me and the person who was saying it because they just, they felt like they needed to say something and then they were checking a box. And like, oh, I said something to them. They know I think about them versus the person's like, I don't know what to say, but here's this thing. It was... <laughs> And I guess it just really, the depth that you can get when you're genuine and you genuinely care about people makes a huge difference. I know that there are many surface people and it's uncomfortable because you have to be comfortable with yourself to be genuine, to connect to someone on this level versus just up here. I hate small talk. <laughs> um, it's very vulnerable to be down lower and to be someone that's giving a full meal because it takes commitment. It takes understanding. It takes a listening ear. And those things are very difficult at different times for different people. And I'm not saying that you do these things at the sacrifice of yourself because there are personal boundaries that you keep. I think sometimes we look at these parables and we're like, we have to do it all. We have to give it all and everything. And like, no, part of being a stewardship is finding balance mm -hmm. and being responsible for that balance. And sometimes your balance is this way and sometimes it's that way. And being willing to look at and constantly evaluate of like, whoa, that was too much. I need to tone it back just a little bit. There's been times, again, in my art career <laughs> where I've gotten thing, my, my family and my art out of balance. And we sat back at the end of the year and we we're just like, that was bad. And I made choices that were not healthy. And even though I did really good things over here, it's not to discount the good things that I did, but you also have to balance your mental health and your ability, your physical ability, your physical tiredness. I think this goes back to the parable of talents. Sometimes we can get five and we got five. Sometimes we only have two and we get two. The important thing is that we're trying whatever level we're at and that's all we're asked. We're not asked to run ourselves ragged because then we have nothing left to give because we didn't keep anything to sustain ourselves. And when those times do happen, I am grateful for those people. They give me meat and help me nourish. 
myself back to health again when I've overextended myself. And I think too, when you're serving, um, recognizing that that's the perfect opportunity to tap into community and that just because you recognize the need doesn't mean that you're the one who has to fulfill all of those needs. Um, I think a great example is Aquana. I had a, uh, I have a mutual friend who's had a really rough couple of years and a few months back I was over visiting her and had a conversation with her and kind of read between the lines of things she was saying and recognized that she had some some pretty severe you know temporal needs in that moment but that because she was you know focused on the temporal needs of her family there are some things that she personally was putting on the back shelf as far as the things that she cares about and her developing her personal talents and so I, I reached out to Kwani and a couple of other friends who know this this individual and was like hey like if we all just put, you know, 30 bucks in the basket here, we could put together something really nice for her to, to address these needs that she's experiencing. And everybody pulled together and, you know, I ended up taking her some some food and and uh, a gift card for some art supplies. And she, she messaged me afterwards and she's like, so many people see my situation and just see me as a mother, as someone who's trying to make sure that my kids have food. People don't see me for me and the things that I can give to my community with my talents, with the things that I'm doing. She's like, thank you so much for seeing me for me. Um, and that's something I've thought a lot about as I've served in various capacities. Like, are we seeing people for them? Not just, you know, their, you know, stereotypical role. Like, oh, they're a father, they're a mother. And those things are very important. But who are they? And what are we doing to feed them? It's very true. Um, I was terrified to become a mother when I was just starting as my art. And this past week, I actually was able to talk to somebody that had seen, I'd given an art seminar type thing for the Inspirational Art Association. And I had felt very impressed that I needed to talk about being an artist and being a mother because when I was in college, it was basically a death sentence. And I know I've heard Genity Page talk about this because her and I went to the same art school. But I was terrified that becoming a mother would mean giving up who I was because I was an artist. And it's been very blessed for me because it's only made me better. It's made me a better artist as I've become a mother. And in turn, this week, I was able to talk to somebody who saw me give a talk about this you know, this point of you can do it both. You don't have to do, give up one to be the other. That's a whole other story about sacrifices of cultural <laughs> motherhood. But um, it was incredible to me to be able to have given her permission, I guess, or she needed someone to tell her, you can do it and see an example of someone that had done it. And um, there's this whole generation it's very inspiring to me that's like my age and a little bit younger that are trying to do it all and it's really cool but anyways um i appreciate everybody that has been here to listen and to kind of help me flesh out these things of um, the takeaways is how can i share the gospel and how can i share the light of christ and i specifically want you to think about not necessarily preaching the gospel to somebody, but how can you, like our gospel is a gospel of love. How can I share love? How can I share light? How can I lift those around me with my abilities, my talents? 
how can I open my eyes to see more? And then perfect myself in that of how can I become a better person? And ultimately, you know, that translates into just a lifetime of recognizing the bad and fixing the good <laughs> or and and shifting those things over from the bad pile into the good pile. You know, sometimes they wander back and you have to just keep <laughs> trying to get it over. But that would be my takeaway is to evaluate yourself, look at your talents, look at your blessings, your strengths, even your weaknesses, because your weaknesses can be strengths once they're recognized. But just become a better person, lift up those people around you, make the world a better place, because it's pretty bad out there sometimes, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Thank you, Kalani. Um, there's some comments here. Great lesson. Happy Pentecost. And thank you for the focus on love and light. Um, yeah, I didn't realize it's Pentecost. That's awesome. I think it's, it's one of those uh, holidays that in Latter-day Saint tradition, we're just like not sure what to do with, but lots of other people in Christianity, um, you know, celebrate in various ways. And yeah, I think it's actually kind of cool that this is a lesson, you know, that you're the teacher we had for today in the sense that uh, I think sometimes it, being an artist, you know, whatever form your art takes is is a way of like speaking in tongues in the gospel sense that we're providing these these insights into God that sometimes aren't always like immediately translatable for people, but it's this celebration of of the divine, the celebration of the joy that we feel, the celebration of the knowledge that that we've come to gain, um, both you know, just in kind of the the traditional sense of like things we understand from the scriptures, but I know speaking for myself, and I, I think you probably echo this as well. There's, there's a certain level of emotional knowledge that comes from, from grappling with painting religious images, whether that's a story from the scriptures or just more of a concept that you get to know that thing in a way that, that words can never quite comprehend. And it's something that I'm really grateful for that I've had that experience. And I, all I hope to do with my work is, to be able to help people just even catch a glimpse of that, to have that same emotional knowledge of truth, of love, when they experience my work. So thank you for sharing uh, your thoughts and your heart with us today. Um, and thank you all for joining us. I just wanted to say a brief goodbye. This will be my last uh, lesson with dialogue. I'm stepping away to work on some other projects in my life, but it's been a pleasure to do this with all of you for the last year or so. Um, and I'm really grateful for the rest of the dialogue board and all that they do and facilitating this and I think this this Sunday study is one of the silver linings that's blossomed out of the pandemic. Uh, so much that went downhill for the world with all of that, but it's been beautiful to kind of pick out some of these things that wouldn't have happened otherwise. And I think this is one of those. Um, we're going to close out today with a hymn, I Am a Child of God by the Kaysville and Fruit Heights Primary Choir. And then Kwani will be giving our closing prayer. Um, as always, yeah. Our Heavenly Father, we... Thank thee for this day, for the chance to gather. We thank thee for the opportunity to be here on this earth, to become better people, to develop, to grow, help us to recognize those around us who need, who need us, who need our, speci our special gifts, our special talents. Help us to know what to do, how to grow them and use them 
to lift others. We thank thee for thy spirit, for our Savior. And we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kalani. Um, just a reminder, our next live lesson will be June 25th at 9 a.m. Mountain Standard Time or 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And our teacher will be Bob Reese. Uh, for those of you who'd like to hang out for our after chat, uh, we'll be going on to that in just a minute. But if you need to run, we totally understand that. And thank you for joining us. Greetings. My name is Rebecca Deschweinitz, and I'm thrilled to serve as a board member at the Dialogue Foundation and as one of the hosts of Dialogue Gospel Study. In each episode, which we record live the second and fourth Sunday of every month, we welcome esteemed speakers from a variety of backgrounds to share their insights and perspectives on the Come Follow Me lessons. Our aim is to spark meaningful conversations about the scriptures, to connect them to our personal experiences and to our understandings and explorations of the gospel. To stay in the loop with our upcoming lessons and this opportunity to engage with Mormon thought, culture, and belief, be sure to visit DialogueJournal.com and sign up for our newsletter. By doing so, you'll receive updates and timely links to join our live stream lessons. Additionally, you can catch up on our past guests and episodes by subscribing to Dialogue Journal on YouTube, Facebook, or wherever you listen to podcasts.